What's good, everybody? Welcome to episode 33 of DGodcast, the podcast by DGens for DGens, where absolutely nothing is financial advice. Today is November 15th. It's JB along with your boy Slate Mark II, and this is the season finale. That's right. It's not goodbye. It's see you later. Between IRL circumstances and the lack of weekly DGods hype, we kind of let off the gas a little bit, as some of you may have noticed. So we decided we want to take a quickie refocus, restructure, and go back to pushing out the most entertaining premium product that we can for y'all. But for the season finale, you know we had to get a banger guest. We got Kevin Gods, aka the CEO of Dust Labs in the house to shoot the shit, give us some insight into the going-ons of our bags. I mean, our favorite NFT projects. Kevin, how's it going, brother? I'm good, man. I'm fucking pumped to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Give them the rock. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Happy to have you. Uh, excited to get a little insight into who Kevin is and what's going on with the team these days. But real quick, before we get into the interview, I mean, Slay, we've kind of seen it already trying to get ready for this. How the fuck is Taiwan moving completely across the country? Real quick, give me the lowdown. Besides breaking your laptop on day one. I was going to try and do that, uh, tell everybody that on myself, but you didn't let me. Um, it's good, you know? Um the reason I moved here is because I had a great time the last time I was here, and I'm here again. I'm having a great time again, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you can get canceled these days for saying stuff like this, but like, I just, I just like Asian women, so like, here I am. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Sue me. <laughs> I think you easily can, man. People have been canceled for less. That's yeah. I, I don't think you get canceled you for Kevin that at all. <laughs> um, we did just lose no, I think... Kevin. <laughs> that's that's not good. For saying you like Asian women? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know where he went. Hopefully he'll be back in a minute. Bro, you easily but... can. People have been canceled for far less. Jesus. Um, yeah, I don't think you can get canceled for saying you like Asian women. Well, you can. You just can't. So what do you... Them. You're just not allowed to like women these days? Is yeah, that the you can't specify. That... Especially if it comes down to race. You have to... Uh, or yeah. you can't specify. Or wait. Yeah. Got it. Especially... Don't talk about wait. it. Be about it. I don't talk about gotcha. it, be about it. We appreciate all women. I appreciate all women, especially... We appreciate all women, especially the ones that scam people for especially millions if, of dollars. If they have the exact same body type and ethnicity that I like. That's the ones yes. that I like the most. They, uh... <laughs> yes. Preferably. Jesus. Um, alright, let's, uh, let's DM Kevin real quick and try and get him back. I'm gonna roast him when he comes back, bro. I feel like we should Fuck do a whole Kevin right. roast episode because <laughs> I'm disappointed. Oh my goodness. I know, but are you not disappointed in this man who's been, like, around for, like, four months and we passed him the rock and, oh, here he is, never mind. Kevin's so cool. I love no, him. bro, we're trying to, like, actually get legitimate fucking, like, information and everything. Like, shut the fuck up. Dude. Dude, I literally the funniest thing. As you're like, how's your laptop died in Thailand? <laughs> my battery, my laptop died. I'm dead serious, dude. I had to like run over to the oh. power source. But uh, yeah. Kevin, you're not in Thailand. You're in Los Angeles. I know. No, I'm in Los Angeles, the city of all the powers. Come on. Always stay plugged. But uh, yeah, I didn't have enough at the kitchen table. Not enough juice. We're juiced up now. We will continue. Slate, uh, surprisingly, <laughs> uh, his technology is holding Kevin. up better than Kevin's, even though he's in Thailand. And Kevin's in LA, literally uh, like tech capital of the country. But Yeah, pretty epic. I was just trying to get listeners. Uh, I like you a lot. I, I didn't mean it. I love it. I love it. Listeners, don't worry about it. The good thing is, 
I didn't even hear it because I was rebooting. And so uh, waiting for the pop. Oh, Slade's personality trait is to just be an asshole. But, it, you know, it works out. We cancel it out. So, anyways, Kevin is back. Back <laughs> in the show, juiced up, plugged in, uh, will not be rugging again. So, we have Kevin I'm in. in the house. You are not... I'm the asshole. JV's the likable asshole. That's correct. That's an absolute fact. Um, you are not doxxed per se, but you have this supposed killer Web2 tech startup resume that you've brought with you to Dust Lab. So the people, me included, want to know, who the fuck is Kevin D. Gods? Give us the resume, paint us a picture, let's hear it real quick. Chill me yourself. Well, quick story. Uh, been doing um, tech startups in the Valley for a little over 20 years, 22 years now. Um, bunch of B2B SaaS companies um, sort of presented on the stage of Web2 first conference in San Francisco. So like was there when all the JavaScript stuff kicked off, big push to the web. Um, then did a couple mobile first companies, um, sold all that stuff. And then did more of a network logistics company. Um, can you elaborate on- What is he talking about? Tell us what any of these companies are. It sounds like just- I no like the companies kind of dox it out, but uh, like they were cool companies. They were ones that you've heard of and and probably have used. Okay, um, and you know the, hundreds of engineers and so like big teams and so you know start a small company with a couple friends, scale it up, you know to tens of people, sell it, and then scale the teams to hundreds of engineers and then uh, go do it again. It's kind of been my wrap for the past several. Um, Could I ask a question, sir? Of course. Um, so it kind of seems like you've known Frank or that you like that, that you knew Frank uh, kind of like maybe indirectly or something. Did you know Frank personally before this uh, D gods, whatever situation arose? Yeah. So Frank and I met um, probably almost four years ago now. Um, yeah. Three to four years ago in a venture capitalist backyard um, up in the Bay area. Um, Frank was working on another startup with his friends. Um, so I was kind of like mentoring slash advising them. They got into YC, raised $10 million. And that startup sort of scaled off. And then during the pandemic, it was a logistics business. And a lot of those businesses like went sideways during the pandemic. So him and a couple of the other founders left. Company's actually still running. It does great. But um, they left and sort of got fell down the crypto rabbit hole. And so I just kept in touch. Frank must have been 11 years old at that point. Yeah. No, no, he was. He was. Uh, he was not legal for many things. And, um, but yeah, he, it was crazy. And so like, we just hit it off. So you've, you've worked with Frank prior to Digos. Yeah. Well, whatever. We know each other. <laughs> yeah, he was good. He's been a good dude. And so, yeah, we just hit it off and we just followed along. And so I was there the day, you know, Digos minted and, the password went in the wrong spot and all that good stuff or didn't mint depending on which side of the Twitter or discord bot you were on, got my exile. Um, and I think, you know, as things grew, like just kind of kept following the project and I'd come to LA and hang with the guys and just chill out. And again, still had a web two job at the time, but really just stayed connected. Um, and over time got closer and closer to the team and sort of, we were looking for a way to like work together and, the, the natural thing happened when Duppies and then Utes was coming along. Teams were asking like, hey, can we use this technology or user that? And, you know, the D-Gods team had built a bunch of cool stuff. And 
sort of combined with, you know, investors coming and saying, hey, we want to invest in this thing. And sort of we said, well, like, what would that look like? And when I looked at it, I'm like, well, for me to make the jump into Web3, we need to find something where we can put hundreds of engineers like from Silicon Valley to work. Like I, I want to see a vision to that or a, a path to that. And from my view, crypto really only had two paths in the past. One is to build an L1. You know, there's clearly if you're working on an L1, there's hundreds of engineers working on L1s and or build an exchange. And I didn't like it just wasn't my skill set or wasn't my background. And, and, you know, both Frank and I have worked in B2B startups and that was what we always thought would be a better fit for us. And so we finally sort of cracked the code where we're like, well, isn't what we're doing if we were taking what we built and allowing other people to use it that weren't consumers sort of a B2B play? with a strong sort of consumer vibe. And so we said, well, that's sort of what we did. And so we came up with the idea for Dust Labs and said, well, if we take all the technology out of D-Gods and Utes and package it and rebuild it in a way that it can be leveraged by many founders, um, and those could be Web3 founders or even Web2 or Web1 communities, the idea that, and I've used this analogy a lot now, but like 20 years ago, you walk down Main Street, nobody used their internet or cell phones to, to use to run their business. 10 years ago, nobody used social media. Our view and vision at Dust Labs is 10 years from now, everybody will use Web3. And whether that's payments or inventory or marketing or comms or something, and, and Dust Labs is going to be a big part of like bridging that gap from Web3 to sort of Web1, Web0, Web2, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's obviously like, even you just look at like traditional finance, like sending a wire transfer takes three days, yeah. but you can wire money, quote unquote, wire crypto across the country, cross, you know, all kinds of state lines or whatever in a matter of minutes. So yeah, definitely some improvements to be made. And yeah, it's funny. We've talked to a lot of people that always say like, well, crypto is perfect for micropayments, but actually micropayments work pretty good on my phone. Like it's, there's a million ways to spend right. 10 cents or a dollar. Yeah, it's a lot harder to quickly send a million dollars from my phone or a hundred thousand, and so crypto actually solves the like big money movement Facts. in a more delightful way than micropayments. Yeah. All right. Well, b before we get too deep into, it's because no one gives a fuck if what nobody gives a fuck about what I was gonna say. It's because no one, no one gives a fuck if it takes three days or ten days for ten cents to get to their phone. That's what I was gonna say. I a hundred percent disagree. If I'm if I'm transferring money, I want to transfer it as soon as possible. Have you ever sent an ACH wire? It's a pain in the ass. It takes fucking. Sure, years. but are you are you worried about ten cents? No, I'm talking, we're talking about thousands of dollars. But, uh, yeah. You're not worried about okay. ten cents. So, anyways, before before we get yeah, that's what I was saying. No, no one. All right, yeah, whatever. go okay. off. Thank you. <laughs> um, fuck me. I just want to uh, I want to you know talk about like some current shit that's going on. A little housekeeping with like youths and whatnot, since you are part of the team. Uh, and a lot of people listen to this looking for information on, you know, what's going on with the state of D-Gods, Utes, whatever it may be. Talk about some of that shit real quick, and then we can, you know, get more into Dust Labs and whatever. Yeah, so I think last week was crazy, right? Like, or a week and a half ago now, it was out flying to Lisbon. Yep. Uh, so I got there really early wanting to have a stable connection and sort of have, like, some jet lag be over. Um, and so I sort of was you know, did my part of the youth sort of finishing sort of touches on the art reveal from Lisbon. Um, and then, you know, kind of clicked off and enjoyed what bits of Lisbon I could meeting a ton of people, investors, partners, sure. customers, et cetera. And so, yeah, so youth launched, we did this no rarity thing. We dropped slate on the wire, on the, on the wire here, but we'll keep rolling. Um, and I think the idea that, um, yep. 
that Utes, you know, we, we, we had a lot of ideas of what it would be and how it would land, but so far a lot of the things that we expected to happen are happening and, and some things that we didn't expect. Um, but so far it's been a pretty resounding launch. Like we're, we're feeling pretty good about it. Um, obviously some small things we want to clean up and tune up and we've shipped a bunch of little fixes already on the software side and we'll probably mm. ship some little tweaks to the art and stuff like that in the coming. So what it, one of the like the things probably most people are waiting for and looking forward to yeah. is staking. What's the status of you staking? So staking is working on DevNet. Rewards are working, I think. Uh, so we're, you know, days away from having the first release of staking and rewards. Um, and the, the different thing that we did this time that is unique or two things, right? Or two big things I think about. One is it's custodial in the sense that it's not going to go in an escrow account. And so the you will actually stay in your wallet you'll actually still get to see your wallet with your unit. It'll just be locked in your wallet if it's staked. And um, we think that's a big benefit just to the usability of things. Yes. And then the other one is the notion of rewards being incredibly configurable. So this notion of like rewards redeemers um, being multiplicative where it's like, hey, I can stake for 10 days and the reward, (coughs) sorry, the reward could just be like, hey, you stake for 10 days, you get the reward. Or it could be like, if you staked for 10 days and you went to this event or, and you bought merch or, and you minted on a certain day or, and you have converted your thing. Like there's a bunch of different things we could add both on chain and off chain events to, to actually make staking be able to create really complex, but really interesting rewards. Yeah. So I, I was wondering like what the reward structure is actually going to look like. Cause obviously you're not staking your utes for dust. So what are you staking them for? Yeah. So the cool thing is, is that, you know, it, it's super, we have a few things that we've thought of already. Like, you know, we want to do merch. We want to do some digital items. We want to do some discounts and perks. And so how the ordering of how those rewards come out, we haven't probably fully locked on yet. But the most important thing is that we'll be able to really come up with anything. Like we can literally do, we've got a list of, you know, a hundred different partners or probably more at this point that we've talked to, um, you know, coming up with different ideas in terms of how they want to like see their brand or their items promoted inside of the merch or the you know, sort of reward center. Okay. The other thing is, can you give us, Yeah. no, no. The other thing that we think we can do is we can do like more of a kind of a membership thing where it's like, Hey, you're sort of accessible to a bunch of perks because you're a member, it's more of an ongoing reward. Um, and then the one that we're most excited about, or that I at least most excited about, are the ones that, you know, we can just go back in time and be like, hey, somebody that still holds their exile, D-God, and has a Ute, you know, that's a reward. We can come up with a cool reward for them, right? And so we can just kind of design rewards. And then if you branch that a little farther, with this notion of clubs or sub-DAOs that have been popping up like crazy in Utes, we can actually create war- rewards or they can create rewards that are like on top of the Ute rewards. So you could imagine like trade based, the, yeah. you know, the nouns DAO or the mullet DAO <coughs> creating like a special reward. Mick, Mick Utes, uh, here's a staking reward. It's a hundred dollar McDonald's gift card. Exactly. And that's on top of like your normal, you know, Ute stuff. And so um, I think, like I said, it should be fun. Like, Frank's got a bunch of like crazy ideas that he's pushing us to figure out. A lot of these are on the partnership side, but the key part of the technology is that we're going to be able to support way more configurable combinations than we've ever had in the past. Yeah. So can you give a, can you give me an example of like a partnership staking reward that's a done deal or is a lot of that still in the works? 
Yeah, so unfortunately, can't release any that are like, I mean, some of the obvious ones are one merch ones, and it's just timing of when we do the merch. Um, okay. I think uh, the... But we're not going to ship staking and, and be like rewards or TBD. Uh, we will announce at least the first reward um, as part of this, yeah. But we're probably not going to announce the entire season. Yeah, okay. That's fair. As long as like we have something ready day one rewards. We, we will, we will, we, yeah, we will try to make sure that there is some reward that is, you know, giving you a reason to stake and not just like um, yeah. stake. Yeah, we, we want to make sure there's something there. Um, and again, the way it's designed is that we could potentially do delightful surprises and, and change the rewards, um, you know, sure. on the fly, which is, which again, means more fun, like add new things, change the rules. Um, I keep joking with the team, like it would be awesome to give away a car or a Lamborghini or something insane. Sure. But like make the bar for that like incredibly high. Like you would have had to attend all these events and buy all the merch and buy the rug and like, you know, some kind of crazy set of things that, you know, essentially only one person in time in, in entire D Gods and Youths universe could qualify for. Yeah. Um, but that would be fun, right? And so I think we're trying to dream up of the craziest stuff. And so we've got a huge whiteboard of ideas. Like I said, unfortunately, a lot of these haven't been signed with the partners. And so is that what the club bot is? Is the different staking rewards? No. So the some of the more grand, grand yeah. So ones. no, cloud bots even crazier. So we were thinking of like, you know, you, when somebody buys into the collection, whether it's D gods or Utes, like there's always this notion of like, hey, check out my, you know, new PFP. Hey, Utes follow Utes or something like that. And I think yep. we felt that like. Clearly, there's people that use that for engagement farming. Like, they get a Ute or right-click save and just, like, try to get retweeted or try to get, like, a bunch of Utes to follow them. And then, you know, we've gone back and looked a week later, and they've switched it to some other collection, right? And they're they're just going to every collection and sort of, like, farming for their, you know, sort of follows. Um, sure. So we thought that it would be cool to come up with a way to sort of provide validated clout to people that have done, you know, bought it and they've authenticated bought it. And so... Um, probably has a little bit of welcome bot vibes, but also like a more authenticated way of like when you join the community, um, sort of ensuring that you get your sort of proper credit. And it also will, we hope, clean up some of the like engagement farming that's happening because th those folks won't be able to come through this kind of cloud bot. That, that's the idea. Okay. Interesting. So it's like welcome bot meets you list. Uh, maybe is yeah. that a way to describe it. Yeah, not just welcome by, which is literally anyone can buy a D God, get a couple hundred retweets on their post, and then yeah. be on the next PFP the next day. Yep. Um, and then last thing, uh, as far as like current event stuff goes, that's been kind of a hot topic lately. Can you give us any insight into this potential ETH move and what y'all's thought process process is around that? Yeah, I don't like to use the word move. I don't think I don't think migrate move like. Those all feel like bridge. Yeah, bridge. All those feel like you're kind of leaving Solana. And to me, and I've talked to Frank at, at nauseam hours of this in like terms of how we talk about it. And to me, I think it's really exciting. And I likened it on a space last night to like, you know, you start with local government, then you run for governor and you start to dominate your state. It would be foolish to go run for president and move to a bigger, you know, sort of running or a bigger area and then give up your state. Right. And so like, my thing is like, D-Gods, Utes, and Tubes are sort of, you know, at least in recent times, have been like the top collection by volume, by floor price, by trading, you know, everything, market cap. And for us, like, it feels, it would feel to me foolish for us to, like, give up all the work that we did to, like, earn our right to that top spot um, and, and then expand to ETH. And so I think of much more as like, hey, it's time, you know, 
the farm's full. It's time to get some more land so that we can grow more to raise some more pigs, right? Or some sort of farm analogy. And I think that would be a, a, a better way to look at it. And like this move to ETH and whether it's to ETH or Sui or Aptos or pick your other chain or, you know, Polygon or something else or Cardano, which is the good one. Like, you know, there's all these other places we could go. But let's be honest, I think ETH is probably the most exciting for a lot of people. Of course, anything besides ETH would be embarrassing. Right. And so I think the answer is really about how do we get there in a way that allows us to sort of expand and grow our influence onto that chain rather than to like, hey, we're, you know, throwing in our pack in our bags and hauling everything away from Solana. And so I think for us, like to me, it's really about how do we expand our influence across Web3 and ETH is a really interesting place in Web3 especially for these Web3 sort of communities. So it goes back to the season three of D-Gods being ETH thing that has been discussed in the past. Like hold, a, you know, season one is D-Gods, season two is Ute, season three is ETH, hold a D-God and a Ute, get an ETH airdrop down the road, something like that. We're not necessarily talking about a hard bridge, burn your Solana D-God, get an Ethereum D-God. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, nothing's final. And again, it's a lot of ideas and talking. To me, I think it would be foolish. But that's not the way that you guys are leaning. That's not the way I'm leaning. And I'll be honest, I think Frank and I have like different, we both have the same goal in mind, which is how do we, you know, continue to grow the D-God's ecosystem to be the best in D-Labs. And so I think the difference is in terms of like, I'm more focused on continuing to like, you know, represent what we've done in Solana in a way that we can get to ETH and still be able to kind of like maintain both. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think, I don't think burning would be a good idea. I don't think it's good for the collection. I don't think it's good for Solana. I don't think it's good for dust labs or web three. Right. I think it's, but like, Hey, is there a new way to sort of like, you know, leverage the talent we've built and the community that we've collected around uh, these NFTs to move to ETH and, and make a really strong statement when we land and not just show up like we're, you know, some, random entrant but we're actually coming over with like you know we've we've really got some some clout behind us and so again that's that's the idea for me it's really season three is about expansion um and again i I think of it as expansion and not a migration or a move and so i i really try to press on the terms of how we display and talk about it um both internally and externally yeah and it's not to say that we wouldn't do well on eth like i think there's enough people in the ethereum ecosystem that are very well aware of who d gods are who frank is especially um and i i get both sides of it like i get right now especially for frank and us it seems like literally the meta on solana is try and shit as far down d gods throat as you possibly can for engagement every day and i know a lot of ethereum people respect Frank, respect D gods, what we've done, what we've built here. So I, I get it from a sense of like, why do we continue to put up with this immature chain when we could, you know, go to this more mature chain that's been around for longer, there's more liquidity there or whatever. But I do think, um, you know, it kind of kills a lot of the, the original like heart and soul of the project on Solana. And honestly, like, what does that even look like for dust, for dust labs, if we if we were to move to ETH, um, let's say like hard bridge to ETH or whatever, or, or even just D guys move to ETH. Like, can you move dust cross train? Like, what does that look like for dust labs? Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's definitely things like wormhole, you know, jumps an investor in dust labs. I think like there is ways to move tokens across the chain. I think when we think about dust labs, dust labs has always been a multi-chain, uh, you know, sort of agnostic company. 
really most of what we do is is agnostic to the chain. There's 10% that talks to the blockchain, 5% on the front end that talks to your wallet. 85% of what we do is portable across chains. And we have examples of our stuff working and customers on ETH already. So for us, like it's even a more imperative and natural move to like, if we want to be, you know, sort of the operating system or sort of B2B SaaS application stack across, you know, Web3, we need to move to, to many chains and not just um, the ones where NFTs do well. And so for us, that's pretty important. And again, it's been part of the original pitch when we raised venture capital, when we incepted the company. Um, and so it's important for us to do that. Um, but I think it's also important to your point to like keep some of that OG sort of cred that we've had on Solana. That again, thinking of it as an expansion and not as a replacement. And as we talk to people in ETH, um, again, you're right. We have lots of friends. Frank's built a great reputation across like kind of, you know, chain lines, if you say. But the thing to me, and I've told Frank this, is, is I think it would be a failure if we launched a collection on ETH, minted it, bridged it, whatever, and that thing's a top 100 collection, right? Like, I think yeah. it would be a failure if we're a top 50 collection, right? Like, absolutely. I, I think like our aspiration needs to be similar to the way it was on Solana, which is we want to be the top collection. And so to me, it's very important that as we do that, we're building for the best collection. We're, we're, we're building to be the top and we're not building to be like, hey, we're just going to come over to ETH and, and land somewhere in middle, middle ETH land in terms of ranking. And so I think, um, you know, as we plan this out and think about it, I want us to like be very focused on ensuring that whatever we do uh, sets us up to be the best, right? And whether that is, you know, the way we do it, the way we, you know, launch it, the way we talk about it, but just like we, you know, D gods never came out of the gate and said, Hey, we're going to try to be a, you know, top 100 project. They're like, no, from the beginning, Frank always said this, and you guys have been around from the beginning. It was like, we're going to be number one. We are going to go to the top. Like that is the goal. And that's what D gods do. Um, <clears throat> and as we look to go to other chains, like we want that same sort of ethos to follow us. Um, and so that makes it, you know, it makes the bar higher in terms of what we need to achieve, but it also needs to make sure that we holistically think about how we go over there in a rational way and not just be like, hey, it's a quick vote. Let's just jump to ETH and burn all our D-Gods and see what happens. Like, yeah. I think that would be reckless. And yeah. that's not what Frank said, nor what he implied when he sort of like kicked off these initial tweets and what I think everybody agrees now was the worst of timing in, in like the precedent of a market meltdown. And so... Um, but yeah, so I, I think if anything, it's, you know, the way we're going to go fast is to go slow. The way we're going to get big is to start small. And we really have to take our time to think through, uh, the mechanics of doing this the right way. Um, cause I, I mean, I've, I've been part of companies that just grew and expanded too fast. And then their, the quality of their product, the quality of their community went to shit. Right. And like, yeah. that would be an absolute worst outcome for us is that, you know, something as part of this, we break the the vibe of the community or we lose the trust in the holders, like then we would have failed in my opinion. And so, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's actually kind of a good segue. Let's, let's dig into Dust Labs a little bit. So correct me if I'm wrong here, but Dust Labs, Utes and D-Gods, all separate entity. Dust Labs and D no. So Dust Labs is a separate entity. That's a B2B SaaS company. Okay. D-Gods and Utes are both, um, the art and the IP is owned by a single entity called D Labs. Okay. So there's a single entity that owns all the art for our collections um, and the community. So the artists and the okay. community work for a company called D Labs. Called D Labs. Yeah. Okay. So it, 
when Utes came out, one of the concerns was how are you going to spread the core team between these two projects? So that's why I asked that because originally it was stated these are going to be separate as far as teams go, maybe not, you know, entities in the legal sense, but as far as teams go, there will be separate teams working on all three of these projects being Dust Labs, Utes, and DGUTs. So that obviously is not the case as of now, because if you look at it, it, it almost looks like maybe we are spread a little thin between the three and are able to only focus on one project at a time, just the way that like rollouts have been scheduled, right? Like Utes Mint, Utes Art Reveal, then comes, you know, D-God's Roadmap B3, then comes the Dust Labs announcement. So is there still a plan to separate the three and build out kind of a more dedicated team, maybe like a CEO for each? Maybe that's not the case for Utes and D-God's if they fall under the same umbrella, but just kind of build out and, and have there be almost three core teams versus clearly one core team that is working on all of these you know, projects under our entire D-Gods Dust Labs umbrella at the same time? No, JB, that's a great question. And it's one that we're executing now. I think what is a little hard to see is that you're right. Historically, we built things in what I would always describe as the quick rip model, which is like, hey, how quickly can we get this page out or get that out? And you saw this. Some of the early technology, especially around D-Gods and Dead Gods, had some rough landings on some of the things not working, not scaling, bugs in that nature. We've deeply improved that especially with the latest like utes art reveal like that was on completely new infrastructure and so what we've been doing behind the scenes is actually rewriting and replatforming all of the technology so all the technology that we've built for utes is like one click deployable to any other project and so ute list for example we now have 15 customers on ute list right and so that we can spin up a ute list site under dust labs in like 10 minutes or less, right? You know, it takes nine minutes to enter the data, one minute to generate the site. Okay. And the idea that that was even remotely possible, like in the pre-DGOD days was not true, right? Like we had to like completely set up different servers or different setups and applications. And now we literally can like sell a new scholarships customer, grab their information, logo questions and generate the site in a, in a, in a minute or less. Sure. And so the idea is that all of the technology that you see on utes.com drop site, mint site, you know, rarity tool, explorer, staking rewards, all of those are designed in a way to support any collection. So we literally could pull those out and, you know, report those for like a new project, right? These stables could launch like its own NFT, for example, and we could literally staff that. D-Golf could launch its, its own, own other NFT, NFT because yeah. we have D-Stables NFTs. Exactly. But if they launched a new product, we could even load that entire project as yeah. is literally into the tooling that Utes has, right? Um, and the idea of that is so that we've become more efficient in building for Utes, all that software will just get redeployed for D-Gods. And, uh, you know, that again, it, it is going a little slower at this point because we are spending the time to sort of like pay down that technical debt. But the idea is that as we add new features and new um, new functionality, it will be instantly accessible to both D-Gods and Utes and any other project that's a customer of Dust Labs. And so... Um, the beauty of that is that we've now, as we build the, the customer base for Dust Labs and that company grows, we're able to like invest and hire a bigger engineering team that then gives us even more ability to build faster. And whether that's building for D-Gods, for Utes, for the sub, um, 
clubs and things like sure. that. We had a great meeting with the nouns guys this morning and, you know, a bunch of the stuff that we're inspired to build is really tied to some of the assets. There, there, will, there will be no nouns talk on this show. I, ah, I can't believe yeah. I missed that boat and I will, I refuse to FOMO in now at 4X floor price. So none of that. It is spicy. It it's is unbelievable. Spicy, so. Um, Okay. So the way it sounds like the, the internal infrastructure right now is Utes and or D gods builds a new experience, needs something to execute on a roadmap item, whatever it may be. Dust Labs builds that and then turns that into something that we can then sell to other projects to you. Yep, exactly. And so like I said, we're, everything we build for Utes is going to be trivial to backport to D-Gods and trivial to, to you know be useful for other customers, which is, again, the goal of Dust Labs yeah. was to really just change the way that we built that infrastructure. And right now we're focused on building out the dev team to accommodate for creating these new tools. But as far mm-hmm. as like, you know, let's say a core team individually for core team for youths, core team for D-Gods, core team for Dust Labs. That's not really something that's been considered. Yeah. So the technology team is going to be a shared resource that we, that's the way it's designed. Dust Labs being that shared resource on the moderator side and community side and the art side. Today, there's a lot of overlap. It's not a hundred percent of overlap, as you know, like yeah. there's a handful of people that are only on youths or on the only on D-Gods, but we envision that becoming more individually staffed over time as those communities have different needs, right? And and that those needs will be more community driven. We also believe that as the art teams roll in, and we saw this like to an effect with D gods and dead gods, like we've brought on different artists at different times that have worked on the collections. Um, and Delilah sort of leading the charge kind of with, you know, art direction. Um, as we do new collections or make changes to the current collections, we're going to basically have that same sort of model where, Artists can come in and help, whether they're illustrators or they're, you know, motion artists or they're just, you know, character art. We can bring that in and bring them all under one brand. But the goal will be to be more individualized in sort of approaching these collections over time. And probably mostly on the community management side, just because those communities we expect over time to diverge in terms of what their needs are and just, quite frankly, what the community votes that they want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely something like just thinking back because like I've I've obviously watched the entire saga unfold from day one. Like that was a a big point when Utes was announced. Is what do you mean you guys are creating this second project? Like how are you going to manage the two? And it certainly has seemed you know D Gods has been on the back burner a little bit with the whole Utes thing going on. I don't I don't think there's been any major D Gods news since Utes was announced. Really. No, I agree. I think the good thing is, or the way we like perspective, I, you know, put this in perspective is that at least at the Genesis, every D God holder got a dead God or had the right to get a dead God. Every dead God had a right to get a tube. Every yeah. tube had a right to get a Ute. So, you know, the overlap in the Utes community and the D Gods community, at least at Genesis was 100%. Like every D God was, was had an invite into the Utes community. Now, some of them could have opted to not do that, which is fine. Um, but you're right. Over time, we do expect to see those diverge more and not be as overlapping as they are. But uh, in the short term, we've been definitely focused yeah, on use. That, yeah, and I, that obviously makes a little bit of sense. But they're, they're definitely, I think if you ask a lot of people, they would say that they're two very different uh, communities, almost different kind of vibes to each project. If you look at like D-Gods, Dead Gods. Totally. Yeah, and we use, expect that like, to diverge. Even the art like speaks for itself. Yeah, we expect that to diverge even more, right? Like over time the Utes and, and the dead gods or D gods communities will, will yeah. continue to have a voice that diverges. 
overlaps on some things like, hey, if we can get efficiencies and throw a party that works for both, that's great. It's one of the things I was talking to Finn about upstairs earlier today. Um, sure. But also we think over time. Benefits for holding both, things like yeah, that. But there's going to be sure. unique experiences as well. So you're you're technically the CEO of Dust Labs, but do you have stake in both D-Gods and... Yeah, I hold, I mean, I'm a holder well? of D-Gods and Utes for sure. I hold both. But like I, like from a team perspective? Uh, yeah, I'm also part of D-Labs. In what capacity? As a shareholder. Well, I mean, we're all shareholders, but like from like a team perspective. Oh, like what role do I play? Yeah. I would say like more of, I play like more of a corporate advisor. Like my, my perspective is like the things I help with are around corporate governance, okay. accounting, finances, a lot of the like, what I would describe as overhead um, in, in sort of operating the business. Um, there's again, a lot of similarities in terms of what we need to do with Dust Labs as a new startup. Different in the sense that we're venture backed where DE Labs is more of a, um, you know, more of a community sort of holder. Yeah. IP project. IP project um, yeah. But you know, some of the basics of like payroll and accounting and things of that nature were pretty loose in the early days of D gods. Um, and, you know, we've been trying to like, you know, provide more rigor around that in the, in the last few, you know, last yeah, year. That is a fact. Yes. More structure, more organization. Absolutely. And some of that's painful. Like some change comes a little lumpy and it's not always perfect and we'll learn and adjust. Um, but the overall goal is, again, try to get efficient in terms of how we run this and really make it that, you know, we want to build a generational company, right? And like Well-oiled machine. Yeah. yeah. And it just yeah. takes time to get that right. A lot of this is new, right? Like there's not a lot of people that have, you know, run the top two collections on Solana. In fact, you know, in recent times, it's just been us. And so there's a lot of things we've had to learn uh, by doing. Um, and when you do that, you make mistakes and or you just have suboptimal outcomes and you need to fix those. And so... To me, that's the exciting part of being in this space is getting the opportunity to go figure those out. Um, and so, so far, like we've had way more fun than frustration and I hope that it continues that way. Sure. Yeah, same. Me too. Um, so what, what are some of the current Dust Labs tools? We all know scholarships is one. Is that the only shipped tool right now? If, if so, what else is in progress? What else are we expecting to ship from Dust Labs? Yeah, so the current one that we're, that we're selling that customers are on today is the scholarships tool, which is, you know, aka Utlist. And it's been used for CRMs like it was used to back the ASICs sort of shoe launch at Solana Breakpoint uh, as an example. Um, so not really even for, so it's used for web three stuff. That's not directly an NFT project. It was used for the game. Honeyland did their land mint uh, through scholarships. Yep. Um, and then we have proof of work, which we're working on sort of coming up with a V2 and changing the aspect of how that is before we launch it. And then uh, we've started taking early interest across the suite of tools that have come out with you. So drops, mint, explore, staking and rewards. And we expect once staking and rewards are out, that will sort of like, see another inflection point of inbound on the lead side. Um, and then some of the work that we're going to have around clubs and sub DAOs, we think will be pretty interesting to other projects. Um, and then there's a handful sure. of like Twitter bots and discord things that we're expecting to package up and sort of bring out, you know, and, and to okay. again, allow other projects to use them. We've been using these internally for quite some time um, that we expect to come out in the, in the near future. Is there a reason that we stopped updating proof of work when we're trying to use that as like a beta test yep, for a 100%. proof of work so tool. Just leading up to the Utes, we were getting annoyed because everything was having to be redacted. And so Frank's like, dude, we're just going to stop updating it. Um, and then, you know, we've got the list internally, but we've been redesigning how we want to launch it. And so we have kind of like delayed pushing out the set of updates to fill in the gaps um, until we redesign it. And so uh, yeah, we were actually debating this morning whether we should just publish what we have. Well, yeah, or like we a, a suggestion would be publish on proof of work 
decided to stop updating proof of work because we're redesigning and relaunching. That's fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. You know, as everything, you know, there's 17 ways to communicate in this space. And I think Frank ended up choosing discord or Twitter for this particular one. And it's not on proof of work, which is sort of like funny, yeah. um, but annoying for people that check it. Um, but yeah, no point taken. Yeah. That communication definitely like something that's been lacking uh, in the team for a while now, but you know, that I, it's hard as a boomer like me. I mean, I'll tell you like the number of inboxes that I have and, the number of ways that I have to like find ways to communicate is, is definitely mo- the most unique experience I've ever had. Um, but I, so I can see why communication's hard, but I also can see wh- why each tool, like there's reasons for using Twitter for discord yeah, for telegram. Well, there's also a difference between like, you know, one-on-one communication and whatnot versus like just making sure that your holder base knows what's going on at any given point with the project. Yeah. And I think, which I feel yeah. like pr- proof of work was like the perfect the perfect tool for it because if you wanted to go in and see you know you you can check your main discord announcements or you can go in you can check proof of work get a little more insight i'm like yeah exactly yeah no i agree i I think yeah the point's not lost i think you're yeah and we we're still debating internally and again like a lot of these debates you know end up in us not revealing stuff and that's always been a achilles heel of the team is that you know deciding what to release and, and when to release it um yeah, is a challenge. And I think it's, you know, the communication thing's tricky, right? Because if we say it on Discord, then, you know, only some people see it because not everybody lives in Discord. If we say it on Twitter and not on Discord, and so you end up having to say it in three places. And, you know, when that happens, it's like either none gets done or only one gets done. And, you know, we... we Well, the reason we kind of shot ourselves in the foot because we went through the, the time period where every, it seemed like, quote unquote, announcement was by Frank in a Twitter space and you either heard it from somebody who was on the space or you were in the space yourself. Yep. And then those things tended to change and or not happen. So then it would, then it became more of like a, well, what do we actually know is going on at any given time? And that kind of led to this, well, we won't officially announce anything until we know maybe what's going on. And, and I feel like that's led now to this, like, just complete lack of information yeah. and lack of, you know, the, the community really knowing what's going on. Then that leads to like bickering internally and like, will we, won't we, especially with like the Ethbridge thing, right? Like, yeah. cause that, I haven't talked to you now. I know like the, the odds of us burning D gods moving from soul to ETH is probably not how that would play out. It might play out in the, in the form of some ETH airdrop or some other form of expansion, not this like, hard move but most people don't know that so there's been like debate discourse between the community for days about you know are we are we completely moving to eth whatever so but i digress we all know communication has been no it's a fair point i think you know it's a mix like i mean frank's incredible at his thing and you know frank running wild is what got d gods to where it was and just releasing all the alpha and everything but absolutely as we've become more corporate and a lot of that's you know to my fault right or my blame is that scaling the team and becoming more predictable and shipping better things in a more consistent basis forces us to reevaluate like how we talk and how we how much we you know sort of quote unquote alpha or how much like forward looking statements we 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 produce yeah um, and so we become a little bit constipated on some of these announcements. Um, and I, I'll be honest, we're not happy with where it's at today. And so we're still looking for that right place to do it. Um, proof of work was a good cut, but it also like, 
when we stopped updating it, it's like getting that going again and then realizing like what we want to say and what we don't want to say. Yeah. Um, has been an internal debate and it's not solved. And, you know, like everything else, there's a hundred different things going on. And so we jump on different priorities and right now we're super focused on trying to get staking yeah. and rewards and the early club stuff. And out. even, even proof of work is, to me is more of like a, I am slightly over invested in what's going on with D gods. So I will check this website and, you know, get updates, whatever. The only updates I ever saw from proof of work were ones that people posted on Twitter because there was alpha or like the update was badass or whatever. So, yeah, but I, I do think like, for example, I'd say the majority of the community doesn't know that Ute staking is going to be this like partnership reward based kind of staking platform. And I don't think that's been communicated at all. I don't even think it's been communicated that according to you, we're like a matter of days away from staking. There's a chance that like staking comes this week. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, you know, uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, because if we if we announce that and we're wrong, like I'm, I'm willing to talk about it. And like, I guess this is not a super small audience, but you know, and, and again, if we, you ask Frank, he'd probably give you a slightly different answer because we're honestly still building it. Right. We've, we've got a, a version that we love. Sure. Um, but until it's done, we try not to set dates, but I, you know, I'm reasonably confident that we're close. And then the question is, is like, when do we decide to announce it? And like, how do we package that announcement to have the, the most impact? You know, we love breaking Twitter when we do these announcements and, that ends up taking days sometimes to figure out like, what is that going to take? Or like, we need to add a new feature. Like, for example, if you look at the Explorer tool, we had built that month ago, but right before we announced it, we had seen this notion of like DAOs and sub DAOs and clubs coming up. And Frank's like, I can't tweet this link unless we have a leaderboard. Yeah. And we're like, oh shit. So then we had to go at, you know, quickly design one, add it. And, you know, we released the first version with just the price. And then the second version now with like a link to the filter and then also a, you know, a sort of a link to Magic Eden um, to show the actual pricing. And so, you know, I think, like I said, we're we're working through it. Um, it it's not, you know, perfect, but I do think that like, a, as we sort of get better at sort of building these things and releasing them and, and trying to like decide what, like the timing of the announcement and um, part of the mystique or the surprise of the way that Dean- It's a balancing works. act. Yeah, it's a balance, right? Because we do want it to be a surprise when the final thing comes out and have something that we didn't talk about that sort of like breaks the internet or helps it go viral. That's been a big ethos of like both the gods and youths from the beginning. And we want to maintain. Yeah, I, d I definitely agree with that. And I, I'm a big component of, and I think we saw this with mint or whatever it may have been, but not officially announcing something until it's done and tested and actually ready to rock. So I, I respect that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, that was just kind of a tangent. I mean, like we all we all know the communication has has always been a little bit of a, a gray area. But it is what it is. If you're an OGD guy, like you know how it goes. You just kind of play the game. You know, hold the bags that have been pumped for you, and and appreciate the new shit that drops when it drops. Um, I just try and play. You know, see both sides of the story. The guys that you know bought an all-time high and are like what the fuck is going on or whatever. no and i love it i mean the push is good and i think like it's healthy for us because I, I love getting these you know jumping into these spaces or jumping in with folks like you who have been around a while because yeah you know every one of these perspectives is valid and 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 from a place of like you care right i always like to say when i get support calls in my b2b SaaS businesses back in the day like people don't call support because they don't care. Once they don't care, they just stop using it. They cancel, they block the credit card, they go away. Right, right. right. The reason you're calling support is you actually want the team to fix it. You, you want, want to be better. You want to use it. 
And so I do think yes. of all these like interactions as, you know, this opportunity to sort of, you know, change someone's mind, but also like enlighten them on the point of, on a broader point of view of what you're seeing or what you're seeing from your chair and right or wrong. I think it's a healthy conversation. And so I, I I've always encouraged this sort of like, you know, back and forth. For sure. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, okay. So back to dust labs, um, yeah. how are we going about deciding like what tools right now? It sounds like, like I said, you know, we need this thing built for D gods or Utes. So we'll build it in the name of dust labs with the intention that we'll be able to ship it externally down the road. Is there anything else we're doing to like gather market data on what tools to make or what's needed in the ecosystem? Yeah. I mean, we've got designs for probably I don't know, six other products now that we've kind of conceptualized. Um, and I think what we look at is as the, you know, market changes or as the community changes, um, trying to reorder these, right? Like we had um, a club come to us today and really wanted to do an auction. And we're like, well, we weren't planning to do, you know, moving like a dusty sort of auction type thing over to Utes, you know, for the next couple months. Like, let's look and see if we can reprioritize that, right? And so, yeah. Um, there's a lot of that going on. And then there's some really new stuff that we've got that we think will help build stronger community, not only inside of D gods, but across D gods and youths and potentially even other collections. And I think for us, that was a pretty exciting, like a big idea. Um, and so we've spent a lot of time in the, even the first two days here in LA this week talking about um, what that would look like. Um, and, you know, we'll probably come up with something where we like, okay, great. We've got this great, like grand V5. How do we scope this down to a V1? Because what we've found is that we're actually better as a team and a company releasing like small, quick rip MVPs that work really well and then yeah. iterate on them rather than saying spending months building something and missing the mark. Like the leaderboard was a simple one. It literally took us like an hour or two for the dev to bang out that, you know, backend API and the front end. Um, and it's a banger. Like it's driving more traffic on the utes.com as you can imagine. Like leaderboard. That's facts, dude. And, and when I'm like OTCing people in in the uh, Discord, I'm referring yeah. to leaderboard. You just go to that, right? And like, and and so it's the quickest way to check what you actually want to know. Which is funny because we spent probably ten or fifteen times more work building all the other stuff on the site. But that little one page that we banged out in an hour, thanks to Frank's push drives it right and so for us it's like let's release these little things let's get feedback let's see how they work let's see what the community says or tells us and then like iterate from there um we think we're going to build better product over time than you know, yeah. trying to take longer views but we do like to think about some of these medium team longer views of like where do we want to take like the whole suite of software that dust labs is built so we spent a lot of time on like the admin console and stuff that end users will never see but project founders are going to think are pretty amazing like we were talking to a couple partners this morning around stats and APIs and what other like metrics and data can we give both project founders, but holders and to show them like about their holding journey. Like you'd be probably, you probably know when you bought all your different D gods and Utes and if you've traded or not. And, but it'd be kind of cool to have a visual representation of that and compare that to somebody else. And you know, the timing yeah. of when you bought it or the trade that you made. Cause I think people, I are, pretty don't know. people are pretty proud of what they acquired. To. Yeah. Facts. Um, yeah, the closest thing to that I can think of is like Asset Dash, which just tells me like how much my NFTs are worth. And yeah, but it's more interesting to be like, doesn't really. When did you get this it. one, or you know, who else has had this one? Like, it would be kind of interesting in the community to know like what other users, you know, or what other holders have t had this D God over time. Because some of these D Gods, 
we were looking at some of the data have been held by 10, 15, 20, 30 wallets. Like, yeah. Especially some of the floors that really trade. Um, and then you find somebody on Twitter that like your boys with and it's like, holy shit, we on the same D God in like March. Yeah. That's cool. No, I think so. I think there's some interesting data there. And so we've been thinking a lot about like how to like expose that in a way that's fun and easy to use. I do like the, the approach of, you know, like almost shotgun approach of, fire something off, see if it sticks. If not, move to the next thing. That's not really new either. Like yeah. we, we had DE.XYZ. Oh, we yeah. had D Palace for a little bit. Like, I mean, fuck, that's that's literally in like the ta- the D-God's tagline, right? Yeah. Like social experiment. We just fuck around and find out. And but the thing happens. is though, like what we were bad at and then you, all those ones you named, completely different tech. One's built on Webflow. One's built on website. One's spun up on Medium. One's up on this other creator site, mirror.whatever. Like they're all up on different tech. And so like when we do find a banger and one that works to like scaling that across our own collections or other collections is freaking impossible. And so that's the big thing that we've been changing internally that again, from an external point of view, looks like we're just going slower, taking our time, but that is really where we feel that um, we'll be able to be more efficient as a team and get these experiments out. And when they do work, be able to scale them quickly to both collections and then potentially future customers. Cool. Yeah. So kind of an overarching question on that how do or how does everything that we are building all of these tools actually utilize dust or drive value to dust because it's dust labs right so like i'm assuming the scholarship tool like you have to pay dust or blah 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 something like what is the the overarching thought process when we look at a new tool that we're about to build how do we implement dust into this and give it value give it utility yeah. So I think rewards and staking will be, will reveal a big, you know, a big aspect of the way that we're thinking about that. Um, obviously you've seen the historical ones with dusties and auctions and things of that nature that we've done, um, raffles, whatever, like there's a ton of third party and like sort of organic integrations, obviously the mints that we've done, whether it's the dead gods and the art reveal, Dow pool, et cetera. Um, so dust labs will continue to build like big ideas that um, leverage dust um, where, where it makes sense. Um, but I think for us, the thing that I'm and Frank talk about a lot is like, rather than look for like big ideas to like, you know, leverage dust in like a massive way, we'd prefer to find like, how do we find like 1% more utility for dust every day for the next 10 years. And so we've been thinking a lot more about like, small but impactful things that we can lay down in the software that we build. And so most of the software that we sell you know, is sold for USDC or USD. It's just, you know, it's a subscription. But the idea and some of the stuff that we're going to release, it's more prosumer. You know, we had this idea of like, well, wouldn't it be cool if like, if you just have like a hundred dust or a thousand dust in your wallet, you can use that for free, right? Or, you know, and start to come up with these ways of like, almost have to like stake dust to like leverage some of these software platforms. And so um, nothing to announce today on that particular topic. But definitely looking at ways that we can integrate um, that into the fabric of how like trials work and how um, how people pay for software that's more creative than just like using it as a sort of a payment token. Um, and then more importantly, thinking about how we can, you know, sort of use um, Dust as sort of a vehicle inside of a lot of the other larger applications that we're rolling out. And like I said, making the rewards. So when I... When I hear like use it as a prosumer application, to me that kind of 
loses the whole business to business software as a service thing, at least in the sense of like dust labs goal is to drive value to dust, right? Like, Oh, we are creating these, these products, scholarships, let's say, and then you just pay for it in USDC. Yeah. So I think the difference though, is like, if we were to price it in the, in the term of a token, that it's really tricky to sort of maintain the float there and track that over time. And so, you know, on the back end, we will convert percentages of what we bring in dust as an, as one example there. The other one is that the, you know, integrating dust into the usage of the product is also a way that we think will be more impactful over the long term. Um, and again, so, you know, that's sort of the way we're building at it today. So like something like scholarships. So when I, I'm thinking at it, of it, I'm thinking of it like, so Boots, the, uh, the B&J, DJ and Trash Panda, like trade swap platform. If I'm an NFT project or somebody who wants to utilize Boots, I pay one rain per NFT to boot up my collection. So I have a 5,000 NFT collection that I want to be on this Boots platform where I can swap trades, whatever. I pay, I pay 5,000 rain to get that set up. There's like other stuff that goes on after that as far as rev shares goes or whatever. But that's just like an easy way to give immediate value to your token. And so if you're looking at something like scholarships, like uh, let's say it's a 5,000 NFT collection and they want to use the scholarship uh, software for 3,000 whitelist spots. All right, that's 3,000 dust to use that. Yeah, I think that's one way to price it. That's not how we're pricing it today. So today we're pricing it as we're actually taking a percentage of the entire mint. So if they mint out a million dollars, we'll take 10% of that. And so dust would take you know, we would take 10% of whatever they end. So if they mint in a, in dust, then we would take hundred thousand dust. If they mint in, you know, soul, we would take a hundred thousand soul. Um, you know, if they mint in USDC. And so that's the way we've approached scholarships today, partly to align directly with the amount of money that a particular project raises in their mint. Whereas if we just price it in soul. Sure. So then does, would a percentage of that, let's say they mint in soul, does any percent of that soul go to like, buying dust or anything do you, do you get what i'm saying like where's the correlation between the tools that dust labs is creating and actually like providing value for dust? yes and so like again not every project will directly provide it but yeah in the example that i gave we would buy a percentage of the revenue would go back to market buying dust okay and that's like a, a set thing or is that just if you guys decide that you want to do it it's or? not set in a smart contract today but that's one of the ways we're looking at it and doing it in the future okay yeah, I just feel like that's a big question because obviously there's going to be a point where like Dust Labs is a completely separate entity from anything D-Gods related, right? So I feel like a lot of people are starting to look at Dust. Well, I mean, that's not true. I mean, D-Gods is, Dust Labs will, D-Gods will always be a customer of Dust Labs. Like I don't, I mean, D-Gods will stop building if Dust Labs stops building for them. So there will, there will always have that relationship. But more so from like a, a consumer standpoint. So like right now I I buy D-Gods, I stake D-Gods, I get Dust from that. I have... Uh, you know, in, in a stake in dust as a token, as an investment, there comes a day where a D God no longer earns you dust. And you look at the two as like two completely different investment vessels. And so like people who maybe don't want to spend 200 and whatever soul on a D God, but want to invest on kind of, you know, a, a smaller scale, be it just through a handful of dust or whatever. Like, what do those people who are purely invested in dust, like, what what is their bull thesis on why this 
token is going to be worth 10x, 20x, whatever it is, or, or again, why it just will have value, have utility in the future. Yeah, I mean, one dust is one dust. Like, I can't comment on the investment thesis of like, or why would you use it as an investment? I think it's a utility token. I think the the mechanism that, you know, what we've seen, right? When the Dust Protocol Foundation launched Dust and, you know, it, it was coming from, as you know, from staking a D-God or a dead God, the utility that's been built around it primarily has come from the community. Like if you look at the, the Dust ecosystem, there's a couple community sites that track this. You know, Famous Foxes uses it. We've seen it with raffles, with poker tournaments. There's tons of different use cases. DGen Picks is a cool site that does some gambling stuff that I think you're familiar with. Like yeah. these sites use Dust with no, you know, input from Dust Labs, right? It was literally built by the community for the community. And, you know, like I said, 90 some, 95% of the use cases for Dust today have continued to be built by the community. And we feel that that will be the strongest way to sort of scale it. Obviously the stuff that Dust Labs has built helps that, but we think that we were talking to a payment provider earlier today or yesterday, you know, and they have Dust integrated and, and we'd never heard of them never talked to them, right? And they did it on their own because the community demanded it and that it was an important token for them building on Solana to have as part of their payment gateway. And so for us, like the best thing we can do is ensure that the community has the ability and the clarity to go build for that um, in a way that, you know, that that is the direct most, you know. But what, how have you provided that clarity to the community? The community just implements dust whenever they want. So it almost sounds like Dust Labs is a separate entity from the Dust Token even. And it's not... 100%. The Dust Token is owned by the community. It's owned by the Dust Foundation. It's not owned by Dust okay. Labs. So Dust Labs is just a tech company. It has nothing to do with Dust. Precisely. B2B SaaS tech company that happens to have Web3 customers. Okay. That's, a, that's an incredibly important distinction that I, I was not aware of. So that makes yeah, a lot of so sense. So there's two Delaware C-Corps. One's Dust Labs. One's D-Labs. D-Labs owns the art and the NFTs. Dust Labs owns the technology and then Dust is, you know, owned by the community and it's from the Dust Protocol. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, because that was uh, one of my other questions was going to be like, all right, Dust emissions are going to end soon. And does Dust Lab, is that like the point where Dust Labs has this hard break from D-Gods, but apparently the, the two are not as correlated as I thought they were? Yeah, they're not. I mean, the, the dust emissions, yeah, it ends, I think, in February, January, February of next year, depending on what, what the rate yep. is. Um, and yeah, there is no like hard break at that point. It's already basically like those were the genesis of the dust token and the foundation were separate from the beginning. Okay. And it was just a fair launch token. There was no team supply, no pre-allocation, nothing, you know interesting about it really just like you had to have a d god to earn dust and uh, all the dust that dust labs and d labs has earned has been earned by um you know building utility and the community giving that dust back but the so i'm sorry i'm like putting yeah. pieces together in my head now so uh the the raise for dust labs i forget how much it was they the investors were buying dust right at an invested schedule at whatever price it may have been so is that not in the best interest of the dust labs entity to provide utility provide value to that token or why would investors have bought all of that dust at you know whatever it was at 
and then Dust Labs and Dust are actually separate and don't really care. Yeah, so the, the Dust was sold through the Dust from the Dust Protocol Foundation. Okay, but that was part of the what was it? Seven million Dust Labs made? I forget. One point yeah, no, seven. Seven million dollar raise. Seven million dollar okay. raise. But that was part of that, right? Like the Dust was sold as part of that raise. It was announced together. Yeah. I can't tell if that means that it was sold together or not, but I, my brain is just connecting dots as we go through this. So no worries. No, it's good. All good questions. Um, okay. So do you have any idea what's next for D gods then after dust emissions ends, is it going to be transitioned to this same, uh, you know, partnership package reward structure that uses, or is there something completely different on the roadmap for D gods? Yeah. So for D gods, what is next has been the same as, you know, transcend your D God to a dead God. Uh, next step is obviously transcend your dead God and, and claim your tube. And for folks that have done those two things, so D God to dead God, dead God claim tube, we will launch um, a similar staking and rewards platform like the Utes one that will be reward center based. Um, but again, if you're a D God, or you're a dead god that's not claimed your tube, you won't be eligible for that staking platform. It'll only be for people that have completed the sort of like steps to qualify for that. Okay. Um, and why? Which is typical, right? Just like you couldn't get your tube unless you went to dead god. Right, kind of sure. Um, it, that's always been like the roadmap is just play the game and get rewarded for it. So, Or don't, right? And that's kind of cool. Like Frank's obviously, you know, a master of like creating the the, the options. And, you know, just like now there's people that have not minted their tube and they've decided, you know, they don't want to be participating in Utes. They want to hold their tubes. And I I think like that's, it makes it fun, right? To have the different options. Um, And so, yeah, so I think, you know, D-God season three will have, you know, a component of rewards as part of it. Um, And we think that is is a great way. And it's a more, you know, sort of multi-season way to participate where, you know, dust emissions always had an end from the beginning. And so the reward center will be an ongoing sort of partnership based model that we can build for. And we expect the partnerships in some cases for Utes and D gods or dead gods to overlap. In other cases, they may be unique and different. Um, I think again, the technology that we've been building that I've spent most of the time on is just about that flexibility and giving us that, um, you know, sort of exposure to be able to pick our path. Um, without having to make big changes yeah um okay and, and just something to think of now so it, you may yeah. not be able to answer this but so like, like i said right now uh you know owning d gods staking d gods you kind of have this investment as well into dust or at least you care about dust right like you get your dust you use it whether it's to buy merch which i obviously do a shit ton of to you know gamble on dgen picks whatever it may be like you have this emotional tie to dust through owning and staking your D gods after dust staking ends. Like what is the reason for people to have any emotional investment or interest in dust? Because they, let's say hypothetically, okay, D gods, dead gods, uh, dust emissions end. the community projects stop implementing dust because let's say like a big part of that implementation is like well we're all getting it a lot of us for free from our staking let's say people stop implementing it because of that is there any use for it or anything coming from a team perspective not necessarily dust labs perspective but a d gods utes perspective 
or it, or is it just like it might be over? No, like I said, staking and rewards will be you know you'll you'll get the first preview of some of the stuff that were the roadmap around the u- additional utility that we build for Dust. We also think that the the next phase of Dust really begins when um, emissions ends because all this utility that's been built for Dust we don't anticipate will go away. Like the, the, the demand side of that, we don't anticipate will go away just because the supply side is now become, you know, static in the sense that D gods aren't getting, you know, sort of dust emissions yeah. coming to them. Well, there's, it might be a tapered thing. Like I have a bag of dust cause I've been earning it for forever and I'll continue to use it, you know, where there's utility or uses for it that appeal to me within the community. Right. But like I, I might not go out and buy because the thing is too a lot of like you know merch stuff. Let's say for example, you can use Dust, but now a lot of these platforms they allow you to use Sol USDC, whatever token that you have, and they just kind of insta swap to match price or whatever it may be. So there's a chance there's a, you know a scenario where like the demand for using Dust, at least from a community perspective, goes away. Because, and you see it kind of already with like famous Fox raffles, right? Like it used to be every single raffle that dropped on Triple F was asking for dust. Now they're like 99% sold. I don't even know if there's any that are active for dust right now or, or what the stats look like. Famous Foxes still does a significant amount of dust revenue. I mean, we, we know because they donate that back to the to the treasury. Um, yeah. So that they're still, you know, as the bear market goes on, they're still but they're dust. But from a... D God's Utes perspective, not Dust Labs perspective, there is a future uh, you know, plan or use case for Dust to make to give there at least some kind of demand for Dust should the community decide dry up. Yeah, no forward looking statements, I think, you know, in terms of describing exactly what the roadmap is. But well, I we're think... not talking Dust Labs, we're not talking investment, we're just talking like D Gods as an NFT. Yeah, project. I mean D Gods like, has D-U- the same rules. Like we can't have forward looking statements on those either, uh, for better or worse. Uh, that's just the nature of the business. I think the, but I think we anticipate, like I said, that staking and rewards will be a, a great use case and, and demonstrate some of the utility of dust. And, and that one is one that we've talked about publicly already. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. All right. One of the things that I, we kind of saw for a brief window in D guys was like a focus on IRL stuff um, with the purchase of the killer threes team uh, NFT NYC, stuff like that, kind of, you know, trying to make a little bit more of an impact as like an IRL brand uh, versus, you know, just an NFT project or whatever. And it feels like to me, at least personally, that that may have fallen on the wayside a bit and not as much in the, uh, you know, nothing like NFT NYC has really happened. Like, yeah, Breakpoint was big. But it's it's in Lisbon. Not everyone can make that. It's you know it's easier to throw a big IRL event in the states than it is there. But you know I, I know for a fact like we were working on a tequila with Barrel Dow, and, and I there was some other like real life activations apart from merch that were going on to kind of push the brand outside of just Web three. Is that still a focus at all, or has the focus completely shifted to this? Uh, you know, tech B two B SaaS. No, it's a good one. I mean, we're, it's funny. We're hosting an event actually in LA that we just came up with. We were gonna. We have an offsite here. The whole Dust Labs, D Labs teams all in LA this week, and 
we were going to just, you know, kind of like get together tomorrow uh, as a team. And then we said, hey, why don't we open up that to the community? And so we threw that out on Twitter. And um, yeah, we've got, I don't know, 50, 60 people already RSVP in the first couple hours, which is kind of cool to see. Um, I think people were disappointed with some of the Lisbon presence and like the parties and or lack thereof in terms of the organization. And I think what we've seen is, you know, I mean, we were in the middle of revealing Utes, but okay. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, but that's not an excuse. I think we should, you know, figure out how to walk and chew gum at the same time. And I think that the challenge we had, quite frankly, is that we had a large number of people asking to get parties and events paid for um, two to three a week at times. And we were paying for a lot of these and it became a little disorganized and we were getting complaints that the events weren't executed well, or they weren't as, you know, people, what people signed up for. And so we sort of put a hard, you know, kind of pause on that to really like reevaluate how we're doing that unless we can be like staffed to be there, right. And have enough people that we feel that we can support it. And so NYC, New York, huge production, but again, we got a lot of FUD for that because, you know, hundreds of people came, but there's tens of thousands, you know, 10,000 holders at the time. Right. And so it's like, well, Mm is that really fair that like all these people got a party that were in New York, they didn't come. And so I think what we want to do is move to a more of a federated or affiliate model where we're like, Hey, we'll build like a, you know, sort of a franchise pack for you to launch a D gods Utes or dust event in your community and help you with funding, help you with structuring it, provide some central infrastructure around like calendaring and ticketing and things like that. Um, and so, you know, we want to get to a model like that. I think um, Finn actually has, you know, been working on that in the last week or two. And this LA one, we're going to do a quick test tomorrow of like, hey, can we just quickly spin up an event in 24 hours and, and see if that works? And again, people are already disappointed that we didn't give enough warning and plan it out. And so there's always going to be some sort of like chatter around like it's not the way that they wanted it done. Of course. Um, and I think we're OK with that, although we listen to the feedback and we want to get to a model where, hey, we can you know, have an event in every sort of major D God city. Um, and I, I'll be honest, I took a lot of inspiration from the SMB guys, Solana Monkey Business and Monk Dow with what they did in Lisbon. They had an event every night. They have a, a policy, whereas if you have five monks together in any time, they'll just pay 25 bucks as long as you take a picture of the receipt and the monks and post it on Twitter, right? Huh. And so it's kind of a cool decentralized, low touch way of them to sort of like bring the community and the DAOs together without having to do much formal stuff. And it's like, Hey, four or five people. And I, so we've been talking, I think for us, we may want to do a bigger number and say, Hey, it's gotta be 10 D Goddard youth holders. You know, my, yeah, cause especially in LA, you're going to be paying for Mark Colser's dinner every night. Right. And well, that's the other thing. Yeah. I was like, you know, you can do that, but like five, half of them have to be from out of town. Cause we, we don't want you to just all have lunch with your buddies every night. We do yeah. want you to like meet people that are out of town, but if five people come to town and Mark Colser hosts them, like, I think that's a cool, like, reasonable okay. way to an extreme yeah. like if he's hosting one every week probably not the right way to look at it um but that that is exactly what we want to find a way to like enable the mark colsters of every city to be able to bring you know the community together host an event and you know the dow can help support that in a in a you know structured but somewhat you know trackable way where it's not like hey we're just going to pay for whatever ice luge and craziness happens but like <laughs> you know, yeah. save the special stuff. But so we're going to do this LA event tomorrow. Um, we're, we've got some cool stuff planned for Art Basel in the first week of December in Miami. So we haven't, you know, we're trying to work on a couple different ideas there. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we want to get back to the Unreal, the IRL stuff. Like I had a great time in Lisbon meeting so many holders, so many investors, partners, et cetera. Um, but we need to find a way to do it that, you know, can be decentralized so that we don't have to have the team show up and plan every event. And, um, yeah. and I mean, also end like, up just getting sent a bill, which is what people were doing. Yeah. They're just saying, hey, we're going to spend X grand on this thing and, you know, we're going to throw a party, yeah. pay for it. And like that just didn't feel right. For sure. Yeah. And outside of like events too, like, I mean, there's so many opportunities for, for merchandise, for different like physical products or whatever that can be D gods branded. And I mean, a, a lot of that is community driven right now. Like I'm wearing a Mickey D gods hoodie, a D golf hat, like, but you guys don't see a bit of that. So like, I feel like there's an opportunity for you guys to subsidize some of these community ventures and not only give it a little more of like a flair of authenticity uh, and get more people excited about it. Right. Because like, you know, something like a Mickey D God's hoodie, everyone in Mickey's wants one, maybe not most people in the, in the D God's community don't even know that like the merch drop happens. Right. Um, so there's an opportunity for you guys to kind of give it your seal of approval, but then also, okay, we'll help subsidize it. But then in return, we get, a percent of blah, 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 or whatever. But yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of, and a lot of opportunities from a branding perspective, uh, yeah. which to me, branding has nothing to do with like throwing parties in real life. Like that's very cool. That's an awesome way for like holders to get to know each other. Um, you know, it's, it's something big like NFT NYC to kind of like throw a celebratory thing with where a bunch of people get together. But that, that doesn't say branding to me at all, but I feel like there are a lot of opportunities where we can expand because I've always looked at D gods as like a brand like that. When people ask me why I'm bullish, like aside from the Frank will literally die before he, you know, is unable to try and pump his holders bags thing. Like I've always looked at D gods as like the potential to be this larger brand, almost like a barstool sports of web three or something. So yeah, no, I that's something that those are all good yeah. points. And I think the two things that I could say on the merch and, the way we're going to launch IP um, and we're going to launch this with Utes and, and probably reveal it for D gods as well is we really want to, again, decentralize and like enable and empower more community members, whether that's DAOs, sub DAOs, clubs, or just individuals to do things for the IP and register them in a way that we can have a central directory of the cool stuff that they're doing. The other thing that we want to do around merch that we've, you know, thought of a lot is like we want to have like cool and exclusive like token gated merch for the holders that's either discounted or you know at a better deal and we want to get something that quick ships because i don't like the hey wait so many weeks it's just annoying like you want to see it in seven days but like look you know there's a, a balance between seeing it in seven days and also like having it be awesome but the other thing we want to do is have like more evergreen stuff right so Stuff that's like, yeah. hey, I just want to get like some basics. I got some basic D gods or Ute stuff. I may not even be in the community, but I just want to buy a hoodie and rep it. Like that, that's open to anybody. And so we do want to find that. And, you know, one of the ideas we had was like, hey, maybe the, you know, I'll pick a random number. Like the D god hoodie is a hundred bucks. But, you know, if you buy it without, but if you're token gated and you come through the reward center or something, you get it, you know, at cost, right? Or something, right? Where it's like offsets. Or if or you, you buy go, it with dust, yeah. you get it. Yeah, a discount. Oh, exactly. So like, those are the kind of things we're thinking about. But again, we, we really are trying to take partly because we now have two collections and, and we're learning how to like scale that for ourselves. But 
this experience has really taught us like, man, there's so many more things that we can use software to automate so that like a collection, imagine a collection coming from web two that doesn't have the time to spend community building and Twitter and discord and moderators and artists and all that. And like, can we build the software for them to run a community in web three in a more automated way? Right. And so to, to us, like all these challenges are opportunities for us to build the right software to make it easier for ourselves that we then can empower other communities to do the same. But yeah, merch is a big one. IRL stuff's a big one. Um, and then just activations like, you know, the killer threes is a great thing. Like we're using freaking Google sheets and like type form to like sign up for tickets and stuff where it's like, dude, like we should build like a decentralized, like, Hey, who's yeah. going to be in town quick way to grab and request tickets without any uh, interaction by us. Like, yeah, geofenced web three yeah, ticket. Exactly. Club. Like you're like, hey, I'm gonna be in town or I'm nearby. And as long as I get within the geofence within an hour or four hours of the event, I just can get, you know, I can claim the tickets, right? So that way we don't have people like squatting on tickets from across the country or across the globe. Um, but we also don't have people that are like, you know, not able to get in that happen to be, you know, randomly in town at the last minute. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, it- Sounds good to me. You guys definitely, uh, I mean, you've got a lot to think of and it sounds like you've, you've thought of. We're busy, man. We're busy. It's, it's, you know, it's not all going to come at once, but like, I think we do have a pretty interesting set of things we're working on and uh, we do jump between a lot of different ideas and projects, but we, you know, our goal is to ship something interesting at least every other week. And then like, that's really the, the kind of cadence we've set for ourselves. Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited for you guys to kind of expand out the team, I feel like, to match that, because I, I do feel like you guys are probably stretched thin between, you know, the, the three entities of, or yeah. whatever you want to call it, of Dust Labs, Utes, or D-Gods. So. But I know you guys have, like, done a, a little bit of hiring, so that's clearly something that you are also aware of, which it sounds like you're aware of. Yeah. You know, most of the, the concerns and questions that we as a community have, which is good to hear. Um I honestly, my only like constructive, like I, I I hate to use the word negative, but takeaway from this whole thing is that I, I just don't think that dust is really being considered. And I don't know how much of that falls under a uh, like legal standpoint or perspective, but I mean, if we're just being honest, like dust has been a big part of our uh, you know, investment thesis or lives or whatever you want to call it as holders. And, you know, it, it kind of was assumed that it would be a big part of just, you know, everything going forward. And there, there's probably some ways that it can maybe be implemented in a legal fashion that, that maybe haven't been thought of. And that would, you know, kind of be a win-win situation for anyone. But other than that, I, yeah, lots of, I mean, there's just always going to be a lot of questions and whatnot from the community and concerns and whatnot, but it sounds like you guys, between all of you, have, have considered most things. So I, I got, I'll got i give you two more questions. Um, I'll give you one that is a little on the tougher side or the more serious side, and then I'll give you just kind of a nice softball closing question uh, before, we, before we wrap this awesome, up. Awesome, man. Let's rip it. Now, this has been fun, and you guys have a really killer show, and it's, it's been awesome and honored to get to slip into the last one here of the season. Yeah. And, uh, no, you're, you've um, been a great really guest, fun. man. I appreciate you. Anytime that we can get somebody on that can provide you know some insight to the community that, that nobody else can because that's that, you know the majority of our listener base is people who just want a to fuck around and have some fun but then also when it's you know somebody like you frank chill whoever on get a little bit of uh 
alpha, if you will, onto what's going on. We appreciate that opportunity. But um, all right, two closing questions. First one, we've already talked touched on this a little bit, but what do you think the team, all of you together, can do, or how can we approach communication better uh, to, you know, make the this gap between what the core team knows, which is obviously everything, and what the holders know, which is maybe 30% of what the core team knows, and what the public knows, which can be anywhere from zero to that 30%. Where, what can we do to find this nice sweet spot in the middle of not giving away too much information, but people also not being pissed off that they don't know what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I think... I think the next rev, like I said, proof of work was the first rip was good. I don't think it was all the way there. And so I think, you know, operationally, it's like a GitHub check-in right now. There's no admin panel. There's no way for multi-users. So like the new design for what we're going to evolve on proof of work will make it easier um, for people to give updates. And we want to democratize, but also decentralize those updates to not just be the team. Um, and I'll leave it at that for now. But I think like we do think there will be a way to broaden the input on that communication. Um, we do think that proof of work provided a really amazing way to see the archive, right? If you're a new holder and you just hear about D-Gods today and you go and want to learn more, like negating the last 15 days, you can like scroll through a lot of history and learn a lot about D-Gods on your own, right? And that's kind of cool. cool. And so that part of like proof of work we want to keep um, I think the part that we need to evolve is like making it easier for ourselves to update it, but also that like we all can like, I can type in a few lines, Frank can type in a few lines, you know, chill, Bob, whatever. And then we sort of have like a quick review and sort of release process for how those go out where today that's to be honest and very manual. Yep. Um, and so I think that will help close the gap. I think the, um, or, you know, help move towards a, a model that will help close the gap. I think the the other thing that we've worked a lot on is trying to like build a better bridge between what happens in Twitter, Telegram, and Discord as like three of the sort of primary ways that we see um, you know communication happen in the community, and really find a way to sort of like orient people on what kind of communication happens where. Like we have the announcements channel, then we have mini announcements, and then like you know sub announcements just. There's still, it's like, and maybe I'm just a boomer, but man, like I never can go into Discord and ever be caught up. Like, I, and I'm only in like five Discords. Like, I'm sure you guys are in there. Yeah, it's hard, right? And so like, we need to find a way to fix yeah. that um, for ourselves. Something because, that yeah. might make sense uh, on the proof of work site, which I've just pulled up for the first time is, all right, we have obviously these, you know, these blocks where you can click on any given day and see what was happened. But maybe like above that, there's a, main objective and, it, and and in the case of you know a day like today is get staking live like what are we actively try like what is the next step the next thing that's going to happen that we're actively working towards because then it's it's a balance of both right it's you can look and see the details of everything that's happening on any given day or if you're like me and you just want to know what the fuck is next you can pull up the same site, not have to go to Discord or Twitter to find announcements or whatever, and just see, okay, the next main objective is this. Um, just a random thought that I had. The 
last the up next thing is really interesting because I think that is something that we could probably be like here's the next couple things we're working on now again modulo like we want it to still have a surprise and break the internet feel I think some of these things like describing the aspect of what's coming I think is a reasonable request and I, yeah, I do just like staking that. just say, like something that says yeah. what's next colon staking yep. something yep. like that um, and then the last question I will leave you with Nice little softball, just uh, something to float you out the gate here. Um, this one was from the community on the tweet that we posted yesterday. What drives you to make Dust Lab successful? And what is your goal for, and I'll make it Dust Lab slash DGods slash Utes, whatever you want, for 2023? Yeah, so I think by heart, like I'm an entrepreneur and I love building businesses. I love the the messiness of like finding a, a solution, you know, engineer by training, but I, I love the idea of running into like a bunch of problems and having to figure out how to solve them. And I think business is the best combination of that. And it provides a pretty natural scoreboard with customers, revenue, stock price, you know, how, how do you grow a community? And I think NFTs like to me brings out the best of all of those of like a lot of excitement, a lot of newness, a ton of gray areas to figure out. Um, and a, and a really like exciting adventure. And so what drives me is the fact that like, there's a ton of ambiguity, even in the last year, nobody would have predicted where we are today. I mean, even three months ago, or even three weeks ago, nobody would have predicted where we are today. Let's be honest, you know, with the crazy events that have happened leading up to today, I think, so that part excites me is that we don't know what's around the corner. I think the other piece that drives me is that I have this vision and belief and the team shares it that Web3 will be a much bigger factor in more people's lives and especially businesses uh, in the next decade. And for me, seeing Dust Labs be a part of that is incredibly motivating um, and is incredibly liberating because it's just like there's so much green sort of blue ocean like space to just be like, wow, we can go and really take this in so many directions and thankful for the investors and community and holders to trust us to like guide that path and really help figure it out. Um, in terms of 2023, if you would have asked me six months ago or three months ago when we were thinking about raising the round and starting the, the Dust Labs company, like I would have been like, hey, we're just going to go and build some cool stuff for NFTs and for D-Gods and Utes and kind of see what happens. And I think what I've seen in the first month here, eight weeks of selling and sort of interacting from the Dust Labs point of view is that D-Gods and Utes sets the meta in many, many directions, especially around Salon NFTs. Like we're the yeah. first to do a lot of these things. And we see a lot of people mimicking or copying us. Um, and I think that's a great form of like thanks or infatuation with our views of how we have approached the space. And so in 2023, I think we're, we want to get better at when we do, you know, change the meta or make a big shift. <laughs> to make that and democratize what's available. Like this software can be popular to other people and make it so that it's a net win game. Like we shouldn't think of it as a competition with all the other NFTs and much more of like a partnership. And how do all of us, like how does all of the boats of NFTs, how does all of like Solana grow a hundred X or a thousand X? And I think today and like what I would describe as a pretty deep and dark bear, especially in the light of like FTX and the crazy meltdowns in the last yeah. week, we have so much more opportunity to go up from here, right? That like, we need to work together and 
So what I expect and hope is that the best outcomes of 2023 will be around teams, communities, shared experiences where we all bound together and push in the same direction because we're just going to be a lot stronger. And so to me, you know, I would expect that we have tens of more customers. I would expect that we've, you know, expanded our holder base and that's either de- you know, decentralizing more the D gods and Utes as more people come in. Um, and as a percentage of the, you know, holder base, you know, becoming more individual and also seeing the number of, you know, wallets that hold dust. We saw that cross a hundred thousand this year, which was pretty exciting. Like I would love to see that again, cross new sort of, um, sort of highs, uh, in the, in the coming year. And also like thinking about whether it's new projects or, you know, additional expansion and growth of the current communities, how do we bring new new holders into the space? Because I think what we saw with Utes already is it's really revitalized like the energy around what DGODS is and like just like having fresh eyes and fresh ideas is really motivating for us as a team. And I think that continuing to find ways to do that, whether it's bringing more people into the existing collections or finding ways to expand to new collections, um, that that I think is the best. Because I think the the view for us that we would want to end 2023, which um, with a much larger set of communities, right? If you think of that in plural of the gods, mutes, dust, and all the things that are part of that ecosystem, we would love to see that be, you know, double or significantly larger than where we are today. And so that's what I'm sort of excited about looking forward cool. to. Yeah, sounds good, man. All right. That was, uh, that was a fun one. Very insightful for me. Uh, I'm excited for people's feedback when they listen. Uh, we tried to get tried to sneak a lot of the community questions in there too, and I think you did a pretty solid job of of uh, you know addressing a lot of the concerns and questions that people had brought up. So I appreciate you coming on and doing that for us. Exciting, uh, you know. Obviously, everything that's coming in the future with Utes, D Gods, been here since day one we're going to continue to be here and excited to see what you guys continue to build and surprise us with so appreciate you coming out awesome thanks jd thank you have a good one all right take care bye now bye the slate chapter we out Right.